and gentlemen, in your lifetime and in my lifetime, we have gone all the way in the culture from Madonna singing Papa Don't Preach into the churches and the churches are saying preachers don't preach. The time will come when they will have itching ears and they will turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables myths. But Paul gives a word concerning apostasy and with a note of urgency he says to the young preacher, Preach the word! That's what God wants the preacher to do in this day. Savior. I think I'll use this one, fellas, if you don't mind. What a wonderful Savior we have. Are you glad to be saved tonight? I'll tell you, there's nothing in this world like knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I am a great sinner, but Jesus is a great Savior. And I tell you, He's coming. I was sitting there thinking a moment ago, He could come while this conference is going on. Can you imagine what it would be like you talk about a youth conference to beat all youth conferences. Can you imagine all of us who know Jesus as our Savior rising out of this building at the same time to meet Jesus in the clouds? That could happen tonight. By the way, I hope you're ready if it does happen because some moment it's going to happen. And I, I'm looking forward to it. My heart's been so blessed tonight. I cannot begin to tell you what it means to me just to be in this meeting and the opportunity, the privilege to be a part of it. I love Brother Brian. I thank the Lord for him and the work he's done. And all the team of people, it takes a lot of people to put on a conference like this. And I'm sure there's a lot of tired people tonight. Let's take a survey. How many of you are tired? Would you raise your right hand, please? Your other right. You're tired. Would you raise it up? Big and high. Keep it up in the air. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your right arm out in front of you. All of you. Everyone now. Right arm in front of you. I want you to jab the person to your right as hard as you can. Then I'd like you to take your left hand, put it in front of you. Jab the person to your left as hard as you can. Very good. And now you can stop. All right, very good. Now look back at me just a moment. If, 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 if while I'm preaching tonight, your neighbor goes to sleep and they're snoring, I give you my permission to do that. All right? Not now. They got to be sleeping. They got to be snoring. I'm going to make a deal with you tonight. I know it's late. Some of you drove a long ways today and you traveled all day and you're worn out. Look at me now. I'm going to make a deal with you. I'm going to try not to preach all night. And all God's young people said... Yeah. And your part of the deal is you're going to sit up straight. You're going to have your Bible on your lap. You're going to follow along and listen like it's the last sermon you're going to hear before you stand before Jesus, because it might be. And before I read the Scripture tonight, I want to warn you about something. When I finish preaching in just a few minutes, I intend to ask every human being in this auditorium to make a decision. And if you say, I'm not going to do that, then you've already made your decision. And you made the wrong one. I'm going to ask every person, every young person, every adult, every human being in this building to make a decision before you leave this auditorium. And here's why. My favorite night of a meeting is not the last night. Everybody enjoys the last night. I like the last night too. We run a summer camp and... The last night's the bonfire night. The last night's the kind of the climax of the week, and everybody looks forward to it. But my favorite night is the first night because here's what I've come to believe. If early in a meeting like this, look at me now, you get wide open to Jesus, there is no telling what God will show you during this meeting. 
25 years ago this month. July 27th, 1989, I sat in an auditorium that was a lot smaller than this one. I sat in the back corner under a balcony in a chair by myself. I was 12 years of age. I had gone to summer camp for the very first time. It was a Thursday night. And a preacher got up and preached like a wild man. I like to hear people get up and preach like a wild man. Abraham Lincoln said he liked to hear somebody get up and preach like he was fighting bees. In other words, he's just getting after it, putting his whole heart into it. And man, the preacher preached that way that night. He stomped, snorted, and spit, and hollered, and yelled, and screamed, and ran, and jumped up and down, and preached his heart out. And for the life of me, I cannot remember what he said. But I know one thing. I heard another voice that night. If I said the preacher's name, you probably wouldn't know it. And the truth is, it really doesn't matter. But I heard a preacher that night who knew exactly where I was sitting in that auditorium and exactly what I needed to hear. I was the age of some of you. I was coming into the youth department. I was the age of the young man I'm about to show you in Scripture. Same age. And that night, I heard the call of God. And I want to tell you tonight, 25 years later, I haven't gotten over it. The Lord Jesus means more to me tonight than he ever has. I want you to know him. I want you to love him. I could care less if you remember my name. I could care less if you remember my sermon. When I am done tonight, you're not going to remember some fancy outline. But I hope for the rest of your life, you'll be able to tell somebody. I was in a youth meeting one night, and I heard another voice. I want you to open your Bible tonight in the Old Testament to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 3. Maybe you've heard of it. One of the things I love in these meetings is how the Holy Spirit of God connects the dots. Look, nobody connects the dots like God connects the dots. I like coming into a meeting and knowing when the Holy Spirit is like a huge jigsaw puzzle, put it all together, all the right people are there, and the right truths are being emphasized. He weaves it all together to show you something. And I want to take you full circle back to where this night started, where Brother Hassey's message in 1 Samuel chapter number 3. And no, really what I want to do, I want to take you back in time 3,100 years. Unless you think that a young man living 3,100 years ago has nothing to do with you, I want to show you tonight your life on the pages of 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want you to take a trip with me. I want you to go halfway around the world to a place that the children of Israel knew as Shiloh. Nobody talks much about Shiloh today. By the way, look at me. Pray for Israel. And beg God that our country will do the right thing by Israel. Because our future as a nation depends upon it. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But wait a minute. Before there was a Jerusalem. Before... That huge temple in Jerusalem was built and the Shekinah glory of God came down and rested there on the ark. Long before that, there was a holy place 
called Shiloh. It was Joshua that first set up that tent. It was just a tent. That's all it was. It really wasn't much to look at. But it was the tabernacle of God, and Joshua set it up in Shiloh and made it so that people came from all over that promised land to Shiloh to meet with God because that is where the Shekinah glory of the Lord descended. Oh, it was, it was, look please, it was holy ground. By the way, any place where God is is holy ground. You listen to me tonight, young people. I don't know what you think, but you right now are seated on holy ground. The Lord is among us. And there's a kid. He's 12. 12 years of age, and he's grown up in Shiloh. Fascinating story how he even got there. God was in all those details. But he has one job. He helps a very old man who's about to die named Eli, who is the priest, he runs errands and takes care of things there around that old tent. And one night, he has a divine appointment with the creator God of the universe. Funny thing about divine appointments, you never know exactly when God makes them for you. Some of you came to this youth conference. You think you came because your youth director wouldn't get off your back. You think you came because your mom and dad said you had to go. You think you came because somebody paid your way or a friend talked you into it. I tell you, you got here because an almighty, all-wise God brought you here. And he didn't bring you here to meet with me. No, no, he brought you here to meet with him. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. It came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see, and ere the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here am I. He ran to Eli and said, here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not, lie down again. And he went and lay down, and the Lord called yet again Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be if he call thee that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and lay down in his place, and the Lord came. Whew. The Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. I'm going to do a strange thing tonight. I'm not going to give you the title of my message till so I get to the very end. When I get to the place that I give you the title, you'll know I'm finished. See, I know what you think. You think a kid that lived 3,100 years ago, you think a young man that grew up around 
the old tabernacle and became the first great prophet in Israel. You think the guy that was the priest here for this period of time and the guy that was the last judge of Israel, you think he has nothing to do with you. That old book in your hands right now, it must be terribly out of date. Let me just tell you something about the Bible. The Bible is not about things and places and people. The Bible's about God. And my message tonight is not about Samuel, and I'm sorry to tell you this, it's not about you. My message tonight is about God Almighty. I want to give you some very simple things tonight, and I want you to think on them. Number one, I want to tell you tonight that someone is praying for you. Hey, you, you know how Samuel got to Shiloh? No, no, wait, let's back up. You know how Samuel got born? Somebody prayed for him. As a matter of fact, his whole life was an answer to prayer. You know what the name Samuel means? The very name Samuel means ask of God. <laughs> His mama held him in her arms and she looked him in the face and she said, I'm going to name you the answer to prayer. I'm going to tell you about me tonight. I'm here tonight because lots of people have prayed for me. I have a dad and a mom that I talked to earlier today. I love them. By the way, the older you get, the more you'll love your parents. And the people you can't wait to get away from, you'll look forward to seeing. It's weird how that happens. I even like my sister now. How sick is that? That's when you know you're getting old. You know why I called my parents today? Because I wanted to hear them say something. They say it every time I talk to them. I wanted to hear them say, Scott, we're praying for you. I got a text message a few minutes ago from my wife. It simply said, I'm praying for you. I was preaching in a, in a church in Ohio a few weeks ago, and a man that I've only met a handful of times in my life, walked up to me and shook my hand, and he said, I just want you to know that every morning at 5.30, I pray for you. I was in South Carolina not long ago, and a young woman in a wheelchair, beautiful girl, confined to a wheelchair, came by at the end of the service, and she rolled up next to me, and I bent over to shake her hand and greet her, and she said to me, Sir, you don't know me but I pray for you by name every day of your life. And I have to tell you, that's done something to me. Since I walked in this building tonight, dozens of people have said, we're praying for you, we're praying for you, and I say, thank you for that. And some of you have dads and moms that are, that are somewhere tonight praying for you. You don't even know it, but some of you got granddaddies and grandmamas that are in heaven now, that before they ever went there, they prayed for you. Some of you have pastors that are so burdened for you, you don't even realize it, but through tears they cry your name out to God. I know for a fact there are youth directors seated in this auditorium tonight 
that are burdened for teenagers that they brought to this meeting. You say, he must be talking about me. I have no idea who I'm talking to. I only know this. There's enough youth workers in this room that are, that are passionate about reaching teenagers and helping them. And somebody somewhere in here tonight is praying for you. But that's not what I'm talking about. No, I came tonight to tell you that if not a single person on earth has prayed for you today. If not a single Christian has ever called your name to God, which I personally think is impossible, you wouldn't even be here tonight if somebody hadn't prayed for you. But let's, let's take for a moment that that's possible. I came tonight to tell you that at this moment in the portals of heaven, there is someone calling your name to the Heavenly Father. He's the same one that prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. He's the same that prayed from Calvary, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I tell you that Hebrews says that he ever liveth. He's alive at this moment. He is seated at the place of authority and access and power at the right hand of the Heavenly Father. What's he doing? Listen to him. Get your ear down close to the ground and listen to him pray. He ever liveth making intercession for you. By the way, Jesus always gets his prayers answered. Robert Murray McShane said, If I could hear Jesus praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a thousand enemies. Then he paused for a moment and said, But the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Somebody said to me, You get nervous when you get up to preach <laughs> every time? So you're nervous tonight? Oh, yeah. But I'm relieved. Because I don't have to preach a good sermon and I don't have to impress you. No. And if nobody else in this auditorium is praying for me tonight, the Son of God is talking to His Father about me right now. You look at me, young lady. Jesus is praying for you. Hey, young man, you're tough. The high priest lifts nail-pierced hands in heaven. And talks to his father about you. Hey Samuel. What's the call of God mean to you? Samuel said, I'll tell you one thing. Somebody prayed for me. That's not all. Not only is it true that someone is praying for you. But I tell you secondly. Someone is speaking to you. And by the way. His name's not Eli. You know the number one mistake I see good Christian young people making in good churches like your church? They think it's between them and the youth director. It's between them and their pastor. It's between them and their parents. Or it's between them and a Sunday school teacher. It's between them and a coach. No! It is between you and God! God may use your Eli. God may speak to you through a preacher. God may use somebody to guide you to himself. But I tell you tonight, the first call is not to a place and it's not to a thing. The first call is always to God himself. Somehow in the noise of life, we miss the voice. There's one voice that means more to me on this earth than any other. It's the voice of my wife. No one can say my name like she says my name. I'm in love with her. And she's in love with me. Wait a minute. That's what makes the voice of God distinct. 
It's the voice of one who loves you. Hey, I'm sorry, but nobody says your name like Jesus says your name. Adam, where art thou? And Adam knew whose voice that was. Poor old Isaac laid out on an altar, and Abraham with his knife lifted in the air about to slay his son, hears from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, lay not thine hand upon the lad. What doest thou here, Elijah? Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? How about this one? Lazarus, come forth. Or my personal favorite, look at her. She's weeping, standing in a garden. She's sobbing bitter tears. Her master has been, has been crucified and, and he's been buried and now somebody's stolen his body away. And a man walks by that she thinks is the gardener. See, some of you, you've mistaken God too. You've missed him. Hey, he's walking down that aisle tonight. He's crossing in between these pews tonight. He's speaking to you. You know what I love? Look. I don't have to preach on everything. I can't preach on everything. But while I'm preaching right now, there is a voice far greater than mine. Like an arrow from heaven, the Holy Ghost says, shoom, straight to somebody's heart. And you know, this is what God is speaking to me about. Poor old Mary says, sir, if you'll just tell me where his body is, I'll take it away. And there's that voice. And he only says one thing. Read it for yourself sometime. All he said was her name, Mary. And immediately, Rabboni, Master. Look at me. When God speaks to you, He's not speaking to your youth group. He's speaking to you. Hey, I hope your whole youth group gets a Holy Ghost revival this week. But revivals don't start in a multitude. They start in an individual. Some of you are waiting on God. God's waiting on you. Some of you think something's going to break loose someday and everybody's going to serve Jesus. That's never going to happen. But I tell you tonight that the same one that spoke in the middle of the night to a 12-year-old kid named Samuel and called him by name is speaking your name tonight. By the way, excuse me, how many times are you going to have to speak before you learn to answer? Do you remember back in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned against God? Do you remember what God said to Adam? He said, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife. The Bible says that the voice of the Lord God came walking through the garden in the cool of the day. I want you to look me dead in the eye and hear what I'm about to say to you, teenager. There will always be two voices in your garden. There will always be the voice of God tugging, pulling to himself. Hey, that wasn't the first time God came walking through. I think God the Creator came through every day just to commune with Adam, just to be with him, just to talk to him. What a privilege! But one day Adam was afraid of that voice 
And some of you are afraid of the voice tonight. You know why you're afraid of the voice? Because you're tuned in to the wrong voice. Old Vance Habner used to talk about being tuned in to heaven. Some of you, you're not tuned in to heaven. You're tuned in to earth. You're not tuned in to Jesus. You're tuned in to your friend, the person seated around you tonight that holds more power in your life than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords does. And I'm telling you tonight, someone's trying to speak to you. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they know me. Then he said this, I call them by name. Would you hear me tonight, young person? Nobody loves you like Jesus loves you. And he's got a plan, a purpose for your life. It'll blow your mind. It'll be greater, grander than anything you ever imagined. Hey, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or even think according to his power that works inside of us. And some of you, you think it's the voice of some preacher trying to get your attention. No, no, Philippians 2.13 says it is God. Hear me, it is God. It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I came tonight to tell you that being called means someone's praying for you. And being called means someone speaking to you. But number three, being called means someone out yonder is waiting for you. See, when a 12-year-old kid named Samuel was laying on his bed that night, hearing a voice and trying to figure out who it was, he didn't know this, but outside that tent, there was a whole nation that needed that young man to obey God. I'm going to tell you, I'm burdened for my country tonight. And I'm burdened for our world. Hey, your generation's laughing its way to hell. I like all the fun and games, and I think when it's appropriate, it's wonderful. I think one of the great things you get out of a youth conference, you get to go have a good time and not regret it the next day. That's a great lesson. But you know what I like about this youth conference already? I like the seriousness of the theme. See, the Bible says exhort young men to be sober-minded. There are some things to laugh about, and there are some things that aren't a laughing matter at all. And I want you to know that your life and your eternity and the eternity of millions, billions of people around the world in this hour is no laughing matter. Samuel had no idea how God was going to use him, but God was going to use him. Look at the rest of the story. Look at the end of chapter number 3, verse number 19. And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him. And did let none of his words fall to the ground. You want to talk about a preacher? The Bible said every word he spoke, the Spirit of God took it and sent it right where it was supposed to go. Well, that's not it. Look at verse 20. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again. I've circled that in my Bible. Would to God the Lord would appear again. I'm glad my granddaddy's generation had revival, but this generation needs a fresh move of the Spirit of God. Hey, I'm glad that people that are going on to glory, that we read their biographies and we talk about them, knew God, but our generation needs to know God. Could it be tonight 
God is calling you by name. I'm not telling you you're supposed to be a preacher or a missionary. That's not between me and you. That's between you and God. I am telling you that every teenager under the sound of my voice that knows Jesus as their personal Savior has a responsibility to tell others about their Savior. I'm telling you there's a lost nation, a lost generation out there tonight, and they are waiting on you. And I know what some of you think. Some of you think, yeah, but I'm young. What could I do for the Lord? I'm glad you asked. Gypsy Smith started as an evangelist with the Salvation Army when he was 17 years of age. D.L. Moody started his first Sunday school class on logs on the shores of Lake Michigan when he was 19. William Booth preached his first sermon at 17. Jonathan Edwards became a pastor in New York City at 18. Ira Sankey got saved when he was 16. Soon after, he was the choir leader and Sunday school superintendent. Oswald Smith at 18 started working on Prince Rupert Island selling Bibles and trying to get people saved. Oh, Bob Jones Sr. started preaching in a brush arbor when he was 14. By the time he was 16, he headed a circuit of five churches and saw 400 people saved his first year. Hudson Taylor started giving out gospel tracts and holding cottage prayer meetings when he was 17. Peter Cartwright started preaching when he was 16. He was a circuit rider by 18. Harry Ironside started preaching for the Salvation Army when he was 16. Charles Haddon Spurgeon became the pastor of a Baptist church when he was 17. Mordecai Ham became the Sunday school superintendent in Greenwood, Kentucky when he was 16. John R. Rice earned his first soul to Christ when he was 15. Hey, when God wanted a giant killer, he chose a teenage boy. When God wanted a young woman in the palace, he chose a teenage girl. When God wanted someone to bear his son into this world, he chose a teenager. When God wanted somebody to take the Apostle Paul's place, he chose a young man by the name of Timothy. Don't tell me God can't use your life. We got the Saul syndrome. Goliath can start when he was young, but David cannot. Hogwash. If you're old enough to sin, you're old enough to serve. I'm telling you tonight, somebody's praying for you. And somebody's speaking to you. And somebody out there is waiting for you. And on that Thursday night, 25 years ago this month, I knelt in an altar like this altar by myself over here on the right-hand side. Whew. And I wept. And I was scared. Like some of you are nervous tonight, and the Holy Spirit of God is tugging on you. And the devil, who's a liar and the father of it, is already trying to talk you out of it. Say, so were you scared? Man, I was scared. But that night, I... I did something that I've never regretted. I've made a lot of dumb decisions. A lot of them. But I've never once regretted that night. That night I did this. You ready? This may be the deepest theological lesson you'll ever get. Look up here, please. That night, I waved the white flag of surrender to Jesus Christ. And I told the Lord, I won't fight with you anymore. And whatever you want, the answer is yes. I told you a few minutes ago that I'd wait to the end of my message to give the title. So here it goes. I don't have some fancy title tonight. I don't have some spectacular thing that I dreamed up. And everybody's going to say, oh, that's really a neat title. No, I have something much better than that. God gave me my title. I want you to take your pen tonight, 
And in 1 Samuel chapter 3, I want you to underline the last phrase that we read together in verse number 10. Here it is. Speak, for thy servant heareth. You know what Samuel did? Look at me now. He stopped saying, here I am. Then he started saying, speak, Lord. My servant hearing. Hey, look at me just a minute. We got youth groups full of people saying, here I am. Full of show. Full of reporting for duty to make everybody happy. Full of, I'm in my place for teen soul wedding. I don't know about everybody else. And we've let that substitute for a heart that says, Lord, I'm just a kid, but I'm your servant. If you'll just talk to me, whatever you say to me, I'll do that. Hey, 3,100 years later, we're talking about a 12-year-old kid that shook the world for God. You understand that? We're talking about a kid, a teenager like you, that became God's mighty prophet. I'm talking about King Saul's pastor, King David's pastor. And it all hinged on a moment, lying in bed in the middle of the night, when he heard that voice. It was the moment, look please, it was the moment of yes. And I came tonight with a very simple message. This is your moment. It's your turn. It's your generation. And only you can wave the white flag. Speak, Lord, for thy servant here. Father, I pray tonight that the sweet Holy Spirit of God who gave us His Word and who is dealing in hearts at this moment, I pray right now that He will speak. So loudly it will be unmistakable. So personally it will be inescapable. Speak, Lord. 